Here's what you do. While he's in his room playing video games, get in your millennial kid's car. Radio to 92.7 FM WMMB. And when the kid takes off, the fun begins. From Mick every morning to me every evening, they suddenly see the world in a different light. On 92.7 FM WMMB. The time is 8.07. This is Bill McLive, iHeartRadio's talk for the Space Coast. With today's Common Sense on Common Radio. Here's Bill Mick. O'Galley Electric is our three sponsors. We're on this Monday morning, the 26th day of April 2021. And as has become our custom on these Monday mornings, in hour number three, Bill and Dave try to take over the world. Glad you're with us on 92.7 FM, 1240 and 1350 AM, the iHeartRadio app, wherever you might be listening, and that Facebook Live video up and running on the WMMB and Bill McLive Facebook pages. It is our second of 12 hours on the day where you can win $1,000 in our nationwide $1,000 stimulus check contest. When you hear the cue to text coming up in our 20 after break, you enter it at the website now. Go to WMMBAM.com, click on the big green box, and uh, when it uh, gives you the opportunity, enter that keyword, and you're in the running for $1,000. Let's. Uh, we're going to change direction of travel here as uh, Dave and I get together to rule the world this week. First off, Dave Bowman, how you doing, my friend? Morning. Nice to have you along. And uh, by the way, you can find Dave's podcast, The Dave Bowman Show. It's also called Plausibly Live, The Dave Bowman Show podcast. It's on the iHeartRadio app, so you can catch up with Dave there uh, just like you can with what's going on here on the show. What's uh, what's the world like in Washington this morning, my friend? It's a mouthful, isn't it? Plausibly Live, The Dave Bowman Show podcast. There's a reason for that, but we don't have time for that. Um, well, we're in mourning up here. I don't know about you guys, but uh, Glenn Close once again did not win the Oscar. So it's tragic up here. Is she a Washington native, I take it? No, I just, I don't care about the Oscars, but I, I figured we'd throw that bone out there so that the people who do care about the Oscars will go, at least they're paying attention. You know, there are none of them in this audience, apparently. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> that there would be, Bill, but... I mean, maybe, if, maybe if she boiled another rabbit or two, I don't yeah, know. Maybe It that must be important, it's all over the news, so I don't, I don't know. That and the new, that and the the weather. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, yeah. You know what else is all over the news? That for over a year we have been scammed. Breck Dumas' story from the Blaze will start us out in this hour. A pair of professors at MIT, a respected institution in most cases, saying that indoor social distancing guidelines are unnecessary, not based on science. Their findings are that it makes no difference whether folks are six or 60 feet apart when it comes to the spread of the Rona, Dave. We've been scammed for a year. How does it make you feel? Well, it's like most science, Bill. I, I, I'm i not a scientist. So when I read these, I, I, I don't know if you actually read the study or not, but the anytime I'm dealing with scientists like this, I get I get a really weird feeling because – for every scientist you have that says this, you have scientists on the other side that say the opposite. How do I know who to believe? Now, really the only way to do that is for me to either become a scientist myself or choose based on other criteria. 
you know, does this, you know, who's paying this guy, what's his politics, whatever. And so studies like this make me nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem I had with this study was it's a theoretical model. It's a theoretical model that quantifies the extent to which transmission risk is reduced. Well, once you're into the world of theoretical models, you can, you can prove anything, including global warming. So I don't know if I should believe them or not. I, I, I feel like I'm being scammed. Yeah, but global I've, warming I've, takes consensus, Dave. Well, doesn't, well, doesn't corona warming, corona take consensus too? I mean, <laughs> Fauci is certainly consensus. So, see, the problem, Bill, is that you're right. We're being scammed because, generally speaking, the American public is scientifically illiterate. So these fools can say anything, and then and then and then you get the press that puts a headline that fits their agenda. I guarantee you that. Uh-huh. I guarantee you that there are liberal news sites that have this same study that have the opposite headline. This study proves that oh, you yeah, must that's wear masks. Probably true. Yeah. So which one? Who's right? And and is that really what they were saying? And because scientists are like lawyers, they like to hedge everything. Um, they're not going to tell us what which side is right. They're going to go with whoever's paying them to say whatever they to say whatever they want said. So who do I believe? I don't know. In one of the stories that we've got in play today, it says this whole. Oh, here it is. Doctors Hatchet, Hatchet and Meeker were proposing instead that Americans in some places might have to turn back to an approach of self isolation, first widely employed in the Middle Ages. That's the level of science we're going back to, Dave. There's got to be a measure of comfort in that. Well, you know, the old ways sometimes were the best ways, Bill. That's what they tell me all the time, right? I'm frustrated. I I, I don't like what we've done to the economy. I don't like what we've done to the mindset of the American people, that we are uh, reacting in fear more than we are on any kind of common sense. And it, and it burns me up, Dave. I, I, I think we have damaged an economy. We've created and exacerbated problems that existed in, in times when we might have been correcting some other issues. And now we've just we've, – it's a reset that has taken us in a very negative direction, and, and it disappoints me. The single medical professional that I actually trust there's, – there's, there is a medical professional who I listen to on a fairly regular basis, and when she tells me something – I pretty much accept it as fact. And she is just livid about the way we've handled this and the fact that we we shutting down everything was the back it was the bass backwards way of doing it. Um, and we should have, you know, just kind of worked our way through it instead of doing this this didn't accomplish it. This entire shutdown was political. It was based in in rewarding, you know, cronies as opposed to actually solving any medical issue. But at the same time, why did we follow along with it? Why did we go along with it? Because we were so confused by what's presented to us. And if you don't accept the, the, main, the mainstream position on anything, you're the heretic. You're the, you're the crazy person. You're the conspiracy theorist. Well, and maybe even bigger than us being confused were our elected officials, not just at the federal level, but at the state level, who felt like, due to this massive public pressure, oh, my God, the Rona came to town. We've right. got to put rules in play. 
and every state implemented some level of lockdown, including here in Florida, where we tend to enjoy more freedom than you might there in Washington State, but yet we had lockdowns and, and businesses shut down for months on end also. It, it comes down to politicians. Politicians are populists. So if they're, if they're ever afraid they're going to lose their job, they're going to take politicians' logic, which is we have to do something. This is something. Therefore, let us do this. And so they're going to, they're going to do the thing that they think will not cost them any votes, that will get them reelected. Well, uh-huh. and, and it, there's one, that's one side of it. The other side of it is I really do believe this, and I've been saying this since March of last year. Democrat governors particularly discovered – the wonders of emergency powers, and oh, yeah. believe me, they love that. And they are not going to let go willingly at all. So I, I think and it's a combination. And a lot of trouble trying to let go. That's exactly right. We have legislation well, here for this. I think it's the third time being introduced to restrict the governor's emergency powers. And of course, Democrats in our legislature, which you know we're a Democrat state, are saying we're not even going to consider this. And even if we did get it passed. You think Zero Inslee is going to sign it? Of course not. No, He's going to and, veto and they're not going to have the votes to override it. Right. So right. we're back to square one here. And the problem is that let's say some miracle happens and in the next state elections we get a Republican governor and a Republican legislature. They're not going to do it either because it's about power. No, they've got the power. Right. Why would we give this power up? What if there's another emergency, Bill? What if there's another another pandemic and we've got to have that same power to to act? So why would we give mm-hmm. this up? If they're going to be consistent, they won't do that. But how often are they consistent? Dave, bear with me for 60 seconds. Dave Bowman with us as Bill and Dave take over the world on this uh, Monday edition of Bill McLaughlin. Dave Bowman joins us from Silverdale, Washington. Dave, in his Navy days, was a submarine guy. And we're going to close the show today in our final segment talking a major submarine incident and get some of Dave's experience and expertise in helping us understand what has and, and does go on there. And uh, we'll get to that in our final segment today. Dave, before we, we get there, I want to talk about masks a little bit as far as the social distancing and all that goes. And what's happening in your state of Washington where there's a vaccine provider who says, Dave, you can't get the vaccine because you're not the right skin color to get it. Yeah, this is making yeah. news, isn't it? And this is a it great is. this is a great example of what I'm talking about, Bill. Um, this is the story that makes the mainstream media. Well, this this organization, and I forget what it's called, but AARF or something. Um, it's the African American Reach and Teach Health Ministry. Right. So you'd get the impression that if you're a white person in Seattle, you can't get a vaccination. Well. No, it's, just from this one group. Right, but you're right. But the way the, the media is presenting this story is it's unfair, it's this, it's that, we got a, a, a medical justice or whatever. The truth of the matter is up here, I don't know about down there, but up here, you can't swing a dead cat on a three-foot string without hitting somebody trying to give you a vaccine. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's insane. I mean, the, the, the complaints all over our news this morning are, number one complaint, people aren't showing up for their second dose. And number two, vaccine fatigue. People aren't showing up for their appointments to get the vaccine in the first place because they just don't care anymore. And and I think we're largely there. We'll talk that some more as we continue this Monday morning on Bill McLive. Stay with us. The time is 826. 
Call Bill now. 321-768-1240. Common Sense Uncommon Radio. Bill and Dave taking over the world as O'Galley Electric makes the possible. Dave Bowman joins us from Silverdale, Washington. Dave, I know you get up really early for this. You are uh, sufficiently caffeinated by now, I would assume. I am. I uh, yeah, I'm well into my third cup already. Okay, very well done. That's good. I'm I'm I'm, I'm proud of you, and I appreciate you getting up and joining us these mornings. Um, we were talking this idea that the African American Reach and Teach Health Ministry is. Uh, saying, if you're a white person, we'll put you on a waiting list, but we're out here to reach the uh, the people of color community. And, you know, I could almost envision that a group like this may perceive a need for this policy, that they want to take care of folks who aren't in a position to be taken care of at other locations, other places. I don't have a problem with them having their own mission. Uh, it, but you pointed out, and I think what the problem becomes here is the media and how they present it. Exactly. I mean, that's that's what this is. This is a media presentation of a complete and utter non-story. The 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 truth of the matter is, and and I I don't like to put it in these terms, but how many how many white Seattleites are going to AARTH for their shot in the first place? I mean, are they pounding down the doors, going, "We're so desperate that we need a shot"? No. Everybody in Washington is eligible. Every Safeway, Albertsons, drugs to CVS, they're all screaming for people to come in. Nobody's going there. This was just a press release done to wave the wave the flag and say, look at us. We're, we need attention and we're not getting enough. So pay attention to us. And that's literally all this is. When I read that story, I was like, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Not even the, the local news up here didn't even cover it. That should that should tell you right there how little of a story it actually is. So it, 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 it's not a story. Well, where, where did it get picked up from? I wonder. I didn't look and see the source story for this one. Let me see if they normally they tell you where they picked it up. Right. Because the Blaze is basically an aggregator. Right. Oh, it's on its website. The group says that the right. vaccine is available to all people. Blah blah blah. So maybe they just perused <laughs> the website. I don't know why anybody been looking. I don't at know it. why anybody would either. Other than they probably sent out a press release because that's what you do, Bill. When you're when you're a nonprofit group, you're desperate for attention. You send out press releases, and sooner or later, somebody will read one. Not not. I mean, I run. I, I help run a nonprofit here. We send out press releases all the time. I can't get, you can't get anybody to pay attention to them, but. If you hit the right buttons, racism, socialism, whatever, somebody will pay attention to it. Well, and especially when the media is complicit in trying to make everything as sensational as it can be. I don't know if it's to generate viewers and ratings or if it's just to keep things on a charged level when we don't need to be as charged as we are, charged up as we are about everything that's going on. This And that's that's correct. I mean, that's kind of what I started with this morning, is how outrageous is it that Glenn Close hasn't won an Oscar? You know, I mean, that's the headlines <laughs> we're getting this morning. So wh- why should I even care about Glenn Close or the Oscars, and yet I'm being told by my media that this is important? So it's the same thing here. I, I read the story, um, and, and my initial reaction to it was... <laughs> And I mean, I mean, there's a whole lot more to Washington than Seattle than, than one little neighborhood in Seattle. So I don't worry too much about that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that that seems to make sense. Well, something that appears to be happening across the country and that is gaining momentum. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to take a look at a group that was founded here in Brevard 
called Moms for Liberty. The website's momsforliberty.org, momsforliberty.org. And they're basically started over school-related issues, but they, their plan is to have a much broader impact than that. And they kind of got pigeonholed in early media reports that they were going to be get the mask off my kids. Well, that's becoming a stronger mantra across the country. I shared with you, Dave, the uh, Unmask My Child version of this Dave Urbanski story where this mom in Ohio said, you got to get these masks off our kids. That is becoming a big mantra as we're Rona-related this morning on the show. How are they handling this in Seattle? Well, out in your area because, you know, Ben's back in school or has been for a little while. Yeah, they are required to wear masks. Um, They're only going to school for two hours a day. So, you know, I I, I hesitate to speak for everybody's child. I can speak for mine. Mine doesn't really mind it. But then again, my son is kind of weird. I'll be honest, it takes a lot after me. Um, He really liked remote learning, which I would have loved. But he's happy to be back in school. I don't know that it bothers him that much. I the whole mask thing to me is problematic on a lot of levels. But we keep saying that kids are not the problem. Kids are not the transmitters, kids are not the carriers, kids are not this. And we have this study by this mathematician and chemist that's saying, you know, the masks aren't doing any good anyway. So would I like to see them out of them? Sure. I mean, they're playing in the afternoons without them. So why do they need them at school? They need them at school. And you know this as well as I do. The reason they need them at school is because teachers unions are having snit fits about the dangers that these people are facing. It's all about Yeah, that. an excuse to stay home from work. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't really like our governor, but I'll give him credit on this. A few weeks ago, the teachers unions balked at the idea of going back to school. And he basically told them, look, you're no different than the grocery workers who have been working every day since this whole thing started. What, what makes you any more special than them? You know, uh-huh. you, you're not facing any more danger than they're facing. So get your butts to work. I mean, I don't know where he got that from because that's so not him, but at the same time, he was definitely. Did he, did he threaten them with, Hey, let's play Ronald Reagan and air traffic controller game. No, but he did not. But He wouldn't go there. No, he's not going to do that. That would cost him votes, Bill, and money. He can't do that. But, but he did win a lot of support yeah, from, yeah, yeah. from everybody else going, yeah, why are, why are they special and we're not? Especially if we keep saying kids are not the danger. Why do we need to mask them? It makes the teachers feel better. And, you know, Bill, everything is about making people feel better. Everything is about... Well, it's all about feelings. Right. Back to our first story. Are we going to look at any facts? Are we going to look at any data? Are we just going to be responding to feelings like people in Columbus feel that the policeman was wrong for saving two lives by killing a knife-wielding assailant? Well, and feelings, and, and I had a boss once say to me, perception is reality. And to a degree, I understand what he's saying, because once once you're playing the man and not the ball— how, how do you get attention back on the ball? How do you get people to pay attention to reality instead of perceptions? And when you have a media that is complacent, I guess, and, and participatory in the sensationalism of things, because that's what sells ads, Bill, how do you, how do you bring that back? And this is nothing new. I mean, go back to 1898, the very term yellow journalism comes from the way that the Hearst newspapers 
whipped up the war against Spain in 1898. I mean, there's nothing new in our media behaving like this. Maybe the new is we're starting to see more of it. We are starting to recognize it. And that could be yeah, why the recognition, I think, is key. Bear with me a second, Dave. Oh, Galley Electric makes this hour of the show possible. Hey, we are a little over a month away from the start of hurricane season. And, you know, preparation is key. Preparation happens before the events start becoming really possible. Chris Hughes at O'Galley Electric, the president there, has a suggestion for you. And it's a Generac home standby generator. We get brushed by a storm, much less hit by one. We're going to experience power outages. We've done it here before. 2004, we had back-to-back-to-back-to-back storms. We had power gone for not hours or days, but weeks at a time. Well, that Generac home standby generator from O'Galley Electric will make a big difference for you. Reach out to them at eggenerators.com or give them a call at 321-425-3343. O'Galley Electric maintains an inventory of these generators. So unlike other providers, they don't have to order it from Generac and get it in. They've already got it and ready to deliver, install, service, and maintain your generator right now. A free estimate and no waiting for your Generac home standby generator with Chris Hughes and the great folks at O'Galley Electric. They're bringing you this hour of the program. When we continue with Dave Bowman in just a moment, Dave's a former Navy submarine guy, which I thought would be really cool. Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea was one of my favorite TV shows. Of course, that's not where you want to be when you're in a submarine, but Dave will tell us about that and what's gone on recently. When we continue in just a moment on 92.7 FM WMMB. being brought to you by O'Galley Electric as Dave Bowman and I finished taking over the world in this hour program today. Dave, glad you're along. and I'm intrigued anytime I hear you on your podcast, thedavebowmanshow.com, linked up for you at billmick.com, also the podcast available on the iHeartRadio app. I hear you talk about submarine life and the job you did there and how committed and dedicated you were, how it sounds like you enjoyed the work, even though it sounds like a grueling schedule. Tell us a little bit about that submarine history, Dave. Well, I, I joined the Navy in 1981 and was assigned to submarines. I was, uh, I was a ballistic missile fire control technician, which is a, a mouthful. But basically what that means is from basically 1984 to 1988, you've, you've heard the, the phrase, the finger on the button. Well, that was my yeah, right. That was yours. That was my right index finger. So, uh, I was responsible for targeting and, if necessarily, launching uh, Trident missiles for, aboard USS Michigan. It was um, it was a weird job in a lot of ways. It, you know, it, time changes your perspective of things. Bill, I was twenty three mm-hmm. years old. Twenty three years old, and this nation said, "Here, Dave, here's a whole bunch of Trident missiles, and you're responsible for them, and they may or may not have, I can't confirm or deny, nuclear weapons on top of them." So. Now I'm closing in on 60, and I kind of look back at that as I wouldn't trust a 23-year-old with my car, let alone a nuclear missile. Uh-huh. But, but we were we were really good at it, and you know it was something that I really enjoyed. It was something I tell people this all the time. I was born to be a United States Navy submariner. Uh, the biggest mistake in my life was was leaving uh, for stupid reasons, but uh, I, I enjoy 
submarine history. I enjoy submariners. That's why I'm a member of United States Submarine Veterans. In fact, I'm the base commander for the Bremerton base. Uh, it, it's just something that I really, I really enjoy. Submarines, I took uh, Cammie, my wife, to San Francisco on Valentine's Day some years ago. And we ended up at the Pier 39 where the USS Pampanito, an old World War II boat is. And mm-hmm. she's five months pregnant. It's Valentine's Day. And I'm we're taking the tour of this submarine because that's what I like to do. And they're pumping. You can live on this boat. This boat has camping and stuff like that. So they're pumping the sanitary tanks. And everybody is running. I mean, every, it, it's bad. And I'm just standing there breathing in the air. And the guy looks at me and says, so what boat were you on? I told him Michigan, and uh, so I got the private tour after everybody else left. Cammy's sitting on the pier for like two hours waiting for me. Oh my goodness! So yeah, it was Dave's Valentine's Day. Forget yep. about Cammy; she's out on the pier. Yeah, yeah, that's Not, funny. Now, when you went in, as you entered Navy basic training, did you had you signed a contract prior to going in that said I'm going to be a submarine guy, or was that just an assignment that fell to you after you got in there? I had volunteered for submarines. You still have to go through a bunch of physicals and the likes of that. Um, and there were some problems with my physicals. I'm basically blind. So they kept repeating the physical cause I kept failing it. And what they do is they, you, you pick five jobs and then you take a physical for the first job and then you fail that when you go to the second one. By the time I got to the fifth one, um, the, the guy that did the eye exam was, you know, by that point kind of used to seeing me. And so he came in and said, Oh, you again, turned around and said, I'll, I'll be right back. And he left. And when he came back about five minutes later, I passed the eye exam because I memorized the chart. So I, I kind of well, cheated you, to get you, in. You know, the, you want to know the scary part? I know pilots who've done the very same thing. So there you have it. Yeah. Dave Bowman with us. And when we continue in just a moment, uh, there are some recent submarine events, and Dave's done podcasts about these. Again, you can find them on the iHeartRadio app, the uh, DaveBowmanShow.com as well. I uh, want to talk about that. But before we do, B&R Construction Services of Brevard is one of our sponsors here on the program. And Rich and Phil Whitney are friends of mine. They are uh, a family and veteran-owned business that brings the old-fashioned values of customer service and being honest and reliable to your job. And they're, one of them, always on your job to make sure it's done right. Their 35 years of experience in the industry works to your benefit. Whether you're adding an addition to your home, building a new home, or just kitchen and bath remodels, putting new, down new tile, do, redo it, whatever it is you're doing, from painting and framing and floors and cabinets to drywall, they're ready to take it all on. And you want that honest and reliable service that you get from B&R Construction Services of Brevard. Number to call is 321-241-6474. And if you mention me or Royce Bartlett, you're going to get exclusive savings from B&R Construction Services of Brevard. Appreciate them being part of the family here on the show. Dave Bowman with us, Silverdale, Washington. Now, that there's a, a, a Navy base there near Silverdale, Dave. You're not far from where you were stationed, right? I live 2.8 miles from the barracks that I lived in 35 years ago. Every morning at 8 o'clock, I hear colors, and it's it's wonderful. It's like being home. Oh, I can imagine that it is. So big military community where you are, much like what we have here, and, and that's a great thing. You follow submarines to this day, and you're really wrapped up in what goes on with them. Had a tragedy over the last week or so. Tell us what happened. Well, the Indonesians lost a... A, a diesel electric U-boat. It's actually a U-boat built by Germany uh, back in the 70s. And this is the kind of thing that always makes people 
interested in submarines, but at the same time, it, it's a little scary. It's one of those you're never going to know for certain what happened because none of us were there and nobody who was there survived, but we can surmise some things. Uh, I suspect, and this is purely my speculation that after they fired the torpedoes, they were doing a torpedo drill. Uh, they probably had some sort of flooding in the torpedo room and were not able to recover from that. Uh, there's a great scene in the movie ice station zebra where literally the same thing happens only they managed to recover it because it's Hollywood and they're going to do that. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a very scary thing. Uh, apparently it happened very quickly. So there's that, I guess, to be thankful for. Um, I, I live in morbid fear of death by drowning. That's just something I keeps me up at night. So I, I'm kind of thankful that it looks like the ship imploded and that they were, they didn't have to suffer that, but it, it's just the kind of thing that submariners around the world look at. And, and we don't look at them as enemies. We don't even look at them as opponents. We look at them as fellow brothers of, of the, 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 the Finn. And so it's, it, you know, glasses are being raised everywhere. Money's being raised. Uh, even for, we're still raising money for the kids for the ARA San Juan a few years ago to send Christmas presents every year to those kids. So it, it's something that brings us all together. And at the same time, it just reminds us of, you know, going to sea is dangerous. Going to sea in any ship is dangerous. But on a submarine, you have the added element of if something happens, there's a good possibility they'll never find you, let alone what happened to you. So it, it, it is the kind of thing that keeps me up at night sometimes. And I left the boat in 1988. So it still keeps me up at night. It still makes me oogie and it still gives me nightmares. I can understand where that that would be the case. Now, did you have the fear of drowning before you were a no. submarine? No, that is that is something that developed afterwards. Uh, I don't have a lot of time to explain. It. I I actually lost a very good friend in the Navy to a drowning accident, and that really affected me in a lot of ways. Uh, it, it it was instrumental in my decision to get out for reasons that I'm not going to go into here. But but sure. I did the whole the whole concept of drowning just bothers me, and then. I had an incident myself where I almost drowned and boy, it's just, it, that's the kind of thing that just sticks with you. It's just, it oh, will yeah, ruin no you for doubt. life. Let's get a quick phone call or two in before the hour's done, sure. Dave. We go to line one. Good morning. You're on with Bill McLive and Dave Bowman. Hey guys, this is Keith and Palm Bay. Hi Keith. Um, you know, I always wondered why they're in such an enthusiasm to explore the ocean bottom and everywhere down there like they do space. And it makes me wonder what's down there. And now even more, how many nations have subs, Dave? Indonesia has a submarine. I mean, I imagine it's easily detected. But how many are down there going around? That's a good question, Keith. Dave, go ahead. Conservatively, I I think there's like something like, what, 129 nations or something in the world. So basically, if they're not landlocked, they probably – Ukraine has submarines. So North Korea has submarines. Submarines are cheap. They're easy to build. And as long as you're not building nuclear, sub, sorry, nuclear submarines, um, they're pretty cheap and, and easy to build. So, you know, Germany makes a lot of money building submarines for people and exporting them because they build very good submarines. As for what's down there. Thanks, Keith. We go to line two. Good morning. You're next on Bill McLive. Jim from Palm Bay. Hi, Jim. And I pretty much had the same question that the, the immediate uh, previous caller to me had. 
and they're driving around a 1971 submarine. <laughs> I mean, holy smokes. Why do they even need one? Well, you need a they submarine. Don't. Yeah, submarines are essential for what controlling uh, what Thayer, Alfred Thayer Mann called c- controlling the sea lanes of control. Submarines are very good at doing that. Um, as for the being the 1970s vintage, yes, she was built in 1977, but so were probably eight or nine of the submarines that we have today on duty. My submarine, the Michigan, is still patrolling, and she was built and she was commissioned in 81, 82. So, yeah, they're getting long in the tooth, and they are being slowly replaced, but you know, again, they're very cheap. So when you're building, when, and, and Taiwan actually has a submarine that was used in World War II. It's almost 80 years old. So if they're properly maintained and properly built, age does affect some things, but it's not the most important factor. Maintenance is really the most important factor. How well is it maintained? And I don't, you know, I can't speak for Indonesia's maintenance program. I've heard that their ships are obsolete and falling apart, in which case it's almost criminal to send people to sea in one. But, you know, we've we've had stories of the same thing in our own Navy over the years. So it's, it's hard to say for sure. One more call before the day's done. Good morning. You're on next with Dave Bowman. Go ahead. Hey, hey guys. Um, 22, almost 22 years in the Navy. Five nuclear submarines. I've been under the North Pole twice. I voted no. They still took me. But, you know, <laughs> um, there, there's all kinds of stuff that the people in India is is building a 20 or 30 sh- uh, submarine force because submarines can take on a lot of surface ships. Yep. The whole thing is it's more bang for your buck. That's correct. You know, it's 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 the the thing was what they just have a Brazilian or who who, who just lost a submarine that they suffocated. They just ran out of oxygen China, and they figured. Yeah, China had that happen a few years ago, and the boat was just drifting around. Yeah, um, do you remember the Kursk when it went down? I do very well. Okay, in that I had I had a bet with a guy that was on a talk radio up in Springfield that they didn't die right away because the nickname for that that submarine was the Mon- uh, the Mongo. It was oh, it was almost as large as an aircraft carrier. Okay, when it went down at 300 feet, they didn't die right away. And what proved that was they found the crew with letters love letters written to their family members in their pockets of their in their in their suits because they knew the compartments would flood at some point at 300 feet yep. wow they did so hey i gotta leave it there the show's about Thanks. done dave i'll give you the last minute or two here just to, to lay out final thoughts as we close on monday well going to sea is a dangerous business i keep saying that the sea is always trying to kill you and if you let it and if you're not lucky it will uh, certainly, our hearts go out to Indonesia, to the submariners and their families involved, and all submariners around the world look at this the same way. It doesn't matter whether you're American, Russian, Chinese, French, English, it doesn't matter. Uh, we all see it the same way, and it's all, it's hard to watch. It really is. But at the same time... Real quickly, give me a tease for what the frock this week. Did you get it recorded yesterday? We did. We uh, We talked about grammar and lopping people's heads off. It sounds like two things that should go together on a regular (laughs) basis. Dave, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll talk next Monday. O'Galley Electric, 
made this hour of the show possible. Go out and enjoy your uh, Monday. I'll meet you back here in the morning at 6. Don't be late. Catch the podcast. Anything you missed at BillMick.com and on the iHeartRadio channel. We'll see you tomorrow.